I've never said this on a podcast before, but you know, the things found in anal cavities, like, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Deconstructing Damsels. I am looking forward to opening up this episode with you because it features Carrie, who is a patron and also someone that I've considered almost to be a friend. Thanks to social media, she's also been mentioned in the Duke by Default episode. I, of course, am your host, Jessica. Uh, heads up, though, we're reading Once Ghosted, Twice Shy by Alyssa Cole, and I wanted to point out that there are some factors on immigration and some hardships that come with sometimes being the responsible party even when you don't want to be heads up for that otherwise it's a fantastic story and i really hope you guys can listen i also wanted to give a shout out to my patreon patrons (laughs) thank you carrie thank you d and thank you marlene marlene hold on marlene because (laughs) I appreciate all the effort you guys put into this, and I want to give you guys a shout-out. I have a couple new episodes coming out soon, but I I definitely am so grateful that, that you guys trust me to put out content. I know I'm a little bit late this month. Sorry, I moved to the beginning of the month. I thought I was going to have time to get everything done, but if you've ever done a move, you know timelines can suck. So, this is the first episode of the month instead of the second, but I have a bonus episode coming later near the end of the month, probably in about a week, week and a half, that I think you guys will definitely enjoy because it's an unboxing. The video will be on Patreon. I'll give you a little bit of the, a short little snippet here uh, in the next couple weeks. I am so glad that romance, Twitter, and, and everything exists. I love and adore all the things I learn and all the books I'm wrecked. I hope you guys have a really good time listening to this episode. And shout out to my husband, Sven, who actually did the editing on this. It's taken a little bit of time, but he's been awesome about it. Okay, guys, on with the show. Enjoy! Shall we start talking about the book now? Yes, let's start. Okay. Okay, so... (laughs) I, I... So, okay, I should back up. I'm Jessica, (laughs) and I'm the host of Deconstructing Damsels. I'm here fairly often, I hope. Um, And you are Carrie, who is one of my patrons, and who constantly talks to me on Twitter, which is awesome. It is so awesome. I love talking to you on Twitter. I I love it because I've just, I've watched you kind of like change and, and like shift gears and your life, and, but you're still like so involved in the in the um book community and it's, it's so much fun I love yeah watching it really show is up. yeah it's yeah and the book community is great too it's nice to have that when your life is undergoing some pretty big changes so it's uh it's been really great having being part of that and getting to talk to you and all that it's it's uh really good during this time especially when things are so difficult for a lot of people and you're so isolated from the rest of the world Yes, yes, yep. <laughs> okay, so you have a podcast. Would you like to talk about it? Uh, well, it hasn't started yet, but, uh, oh, is, is this when we do the recommended one? 
No, no, no. This is just oh, your wait, podcast. Okay, oh, my no, my podcast. Well, it's just something. Uh, my podcast. It's called. Oh shoot! What are we calling it? My podcast is called Muppet Rewind, and it hasn't been released yet. And I, I, to be honest, I don't know when it will be. My husband and I are working on it, but what it's going to be is a rewatch of the Muppet Show. So we will be doing just an episode analysis for each episode for five seasons, and we're really excited about it. We've been Muppet fans for a long time. That was one of the things that we first started talking about when we first started dating. So. This is a big deal for us and yeah, just so excited. And we decided to do it. One reason was because I did some searching and I wasn't able to find any Muppet show podcasts out there. So wow. we just thought, you know what? We need to do this. This just, this has to happen because we need more, yeah, we need more Muppet love out there. I mean, like the Muppets are literally like out there's any space on the world that has a media outlet that doesn't have at least some form of Muppets. Mm-hmm. I should I should mention there actually there is a German Sesame Street. Oh, cool! Yeah, there's so, so many Sesame Streets in so many countries. Like in I think it's Mexico or maybe Spain, Plaza Sesamo, and yeah, so cool. You you should definitely look up the German one because they've got a big bear instead of Big Bird. Oh, yeah. So it's like I think the, I think Big Bird comes on, but like there's all these little things that are just it's it's very different. But I think it's it'd be very interesting to compare them. Because, like, Elmo is relatively new, but, like, they don't have all the same things. And I watched a little bit of it. And, like, they'll, like, the old, like, the, the Muppet show, um, they would dub it and, and like, try to fill it in. But the thing is, is like, for the ABC song doesn't work. Right. Yeah, there's because, certain things that aren't going to work. Right. Because, like, they yeah. don't have, like, ABC. Like, I mean, they do, but then you get to, like, the G and G is gay and... and <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and ha is H and so it doesn't right. always work so they kind of have to change it up a little bit but they still keep the same exact background and so it's it, I think it'd be really fun to compare that too I'll have to look into ha- that yeah because it's, it's really interesting the ABC song is definitely on YouTube because my husband showed it to me when I first moved over here cute yeah oh. Yeah, I love comparing. I, um, I'm i a big Star Trek fan, as you know, and no. I speak Spanish and a little French, and I like to watch some of the episodes in uh, dubbed French or Spanish, and mostly Spanish. And uh, it's really interesting to see how the the voice actors, how they interpret the characters and what language they use. And uh, yeah, you, it, it's almost like getting a different perspective. And I, I really enjoy language learning that way. I, I, I totally get it. I've been learning German by watching the, like, um, you know how in America you have, like, the zoo show? Like, the one mm-hmm. in, like, the Bronx Zoo and stuff like that? Oh, um, yeah. They have, yeah. they have them over here. And they have them, like, in each, like, section, each, like, um, region has their own version of it. So they talk, they go to the different zoos and stuff like that. And that's, that's one of the ways I was learning how to do, like, basic speech. Because mm-hmm. I was listening to them talk about the animals. And then I could read the, 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 the like, a lot of them had the um, closed captioning on the bottom. So I could read what they were saying and I could put it together and i'd be like oh oh this goes to this versus you know some of the other ways so i mm-hmm. totally get your version there yeah it's, it's fun. really it's fun it's I, I really enjoy it it's you know a way to it's a fun way to learn languages it's not like i enjoy languages so i had fun learning them in school but it's not for everyone so yeah i definitely recommend uh learning through television <laughs> something we already know the the like basics of so then we can just flip it in our head and translate it that way Mm-hmm, that's, exactly. the, that's the only way I can found I can do it, yeah. Okay, so we read Once Ghosted, Twice Shy by Alyssa Cole. Yes. That title so always good. makes me, like, 
pause though. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> did I say that right? Yes. I know it's right, but my brain does not process it right. So I'm like, maybe. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a very. I like the title a lot, but I know what you mean totally. Yeah. Oh, I love the title. I just can never remember. Yeah. Hmm. I actually really started picking up romance. Oh gosh, like three years ago, I think I listened to this podcast on the CBC where. Sarah McLean and Eloisa James were two of the people who were interviewed. And and there was a memoirist, and I don't remember his name, but he was just saying some really sexist things about romance readers. And you know that when he says romance readers, he means women. And I was like, well, screw that. You know, he's saying all this terrible stuff about readers, so I'm going to protest and I'm going to read some romance novels. (laughs) And and I did, and I actually really liked them. Uh, And, you know, I... I didn't know a lot about them and I had a lot of the same stereotypical ideas about them that a lot of people do that are, you know, um, you know, misconceptions. But now I find um, I really enjoy reading ones, especially like like this book, Once Ghosted, Twice Shy, where it it talks about important contemporary issues. But I know it's going to have a happy ending. And just knowing that I can uh, look at those issues, but it will end happily. That's so nice. Um, you know, and especially with the issue of immigration right now, um, a lot yes. of those stories don't have a happy ending. So um, it was nice to see that in this story, you know, to look at the issue and how it affected Fabiola. And um, but then it was OK in the end or, or the end that they were working on it. Yeah. And like and as an immigrant now, I so understand it better. I can't even explain it how much better I feel because I am like I am a white woman from the United States, but I still freak out all the time when I'm over here because mm-hmm. you don't know how things are going to end up. You don't know if they're going to be like sent home for the smallest thing. You don't know what you're going to do. Like it took me four months to get my German ID. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like I was having to carry my passport around. But if I lose my passport, I am screwed because that's my definitive like ID. And so mm-hmm. I was like worried about that. I was like, it took me, four months to get my insurance even though they backdated it so like when i had my miscarriage i didn't have any insurance at the time i had applied for it but we didn't know that we had to apply for it separately so there was all these little things that we didn't know about that had to happen Mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm trying to get that money refunded back to me because the the german system will refund it to me because i paid it out of pocket Mm -hmm. but like all this stuff is going on and i never realized how scary it was i i realized on some level but I didn't realize how, like, you suddenly just start panicking because you're just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, and it's for small stuff. Like, I don't, like, like, I have to be really careful not to, you know, end up on the wrong side of the law by accident. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if, if that happens, if I get charged with something or something, I can be shipped home. But my mm-hmm. husband is still here because it'd be really hard to get him over to the U.S. right now. So it's like you're you're constantly have to balancing that fear and and that love and all that and and i understood that so much better when i read this story now because i tried to read it last year and i stopped because i was just it wasn't the mind frame for it i'm mm-hmm. like um mika on twitter yeah. uh, i'm like her i'm very much a, a mood reader or whatever and so but so i read this now and i was just like oh my god this makes so much more sense to me now 
Mm-hmm. Like I understand it on such a deeper level that I would never understand. And and again, I'm a white woman, so I can't imagine a person of color how they feel when the government is actively working against them and there's always something going on and you know, you've got ICE and you've got deportations and you've got all of this stuff and I'm just like I, I can't imagine it. Yeah, it's I can't either. Yeah, I'm also a white woman and I, I can't imagine what that's like. I, I do have a close friend who uh, she's also white and her husband is Mexican and she spent the last two years trying to get him here to the U.S. And they had been living in Mexico and there was actually a time where uh, her her the, like the equivalent to what would be a visa here, I think. I, I don't remember the name of, of uh, you know, the things people have to stay somewhere, but um but hers ran out in Mexico and they had to go to Belize until it got all, until it was fixed. So they wanted to try to get him, uh, um, I don't remember if it's green card or I should get my legal terms correct, but they wanted him to be able to come here legally. And so she came here and they, they had to wait a certain amount of time, but then it took even longer because of, um, the, you know, all the travesties at the border and, um, they, they waited all that time and they have three little kiddos and uh, this was before the public charge rule came into effect and um, they did like all the paperwork, they met every requirement um, and her lawyers kept telling her that, oh, this is, you know, just an open and shut case, kind of like um, what they were saying with Fabiola where like, oh, you know, she's been going every year and checking in with them and it's always been fine and um, and so my friend was told something like that too and then her husband went to the interview and he met every requirement, but they said no and um, okay. that he couldn't come because she, my friend, didn't make enough money and she didn't have a family sponsor, even though like these things were not required. What they did was illegal. Right. But um, but and my friend got our senator involved and they still said no. And it was so frustrating um, when they appealed it. They sent them a letter back and every friggin' thing that was required was checked. It was all checked off and they still said no. Um, and she wound up going back to Mexico just because it was just such a traumatic experience that um, she just wanted her family to be together again. And it just, it was so heartbreaking to see what happened to her little girls. And um, for, you know, how do you tell your children that, um, you know, the country doesn't think that their daddy is good enough to come here. And it's just, uh, try not to get emotional. It's really, it's so heartbreaking what, um, What's happening to people now who uh, um, are in uh, international marriages or anyone who's dealing with immigration issues now? It's just so heartbreaking. Well, that's like um, Atlanta is they're known for being kind of one of the strictest courts in the in the country for how things are <laughs> meted out. Because like, mm-hmm. I think it was like... I, I remember seeing something last year, um, I can't remember, I think it was maybe into the AJC, uh, where they said that, like, I think it was like one in 20 people may get asylum if they're lucky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's people that are fleeing from, like, domestic violence or gang, you know, like, people trying to kill you or whatever. And so you're like, well, of course people enter illegally. And I say this with little quotey hands because I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course they do it because it's the only way to survive. Like, when, when you make everything so um, dependent on one person's mood that day, mm-hmm. and continuously is based on someone's mood that day, yeah. and uh, I'm going to be quite clear in this, I don't like Trump, so it's his moods that are doing a lot of this right now. It's his motivation. He's giving the free reign to the GOP right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that, don't get me wrong, I have issues with Democrats on it as well, but they're kind of got, they don't have full reign right now. Um, but, you know, there, there's all this stuff that's happening and you're watching all these families break apart and your heart breaks for them because you know what it's like if you've been in that situation. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've been in my, I've been in a relationship with my husband for seven years as of the 20th of, like, two days ago. Um, I, I have been in that situation. I understand it and it just, I, I understand the fear and the frustration because, like, I wanted to marry him in the U.S. when he came to visit this last time. I was like, okay, well, what if we get married and I just send him back, right? Like, he doesn't have to stay, but I want him to have the legal, I want him to have the legal care of me in case something happens. Like, mm-hmm. I trust him to take care of me and I want him to have that and I want to have the same for him. Like, even if we're not in the same place at the same time. And I spoke to, like, different immigration lawyers and one was like, no, that's fine. You should be okay with that. You know, the, the lawyers, you know, they, they double checked. Then I went to another lawyer and the other lawyer said, oh, no, if you do that, he can't come back until you can sponsor him to stay. And yeah. I'm like, but why? Like, they're making things so complicated. And yet you get people like the president's wife, Melania, who just shifted right through all that work, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're rich. Yeah. And so you're seeing all the people that don't have the means they don't have it they don't have what they need and you can't get anything done mm-hmm. exactly exactly yeah and, i think money and race play into it and you know just because someone is white if they don't have the money i think that can still be a hindrance to getting into the country but um yeah you know money is a big thing for people and that's what happened to my friend was that they said that she didn't make enough money um which is just ridiculous because like i keep saying it was not a requirement but yeah well i mean well that's like that was one thing was for me like i was trying to get to sponsor my husband my now husband my then fiance i was trying to get him over to the u.s for years and then we just said flipped it and said i'm just coming here because it's easier Mm -hmm. um but i was trying to get him to the u.s because he understood um, english a lot better than i understood german so he'd be able to go do a job and you know he'd be able to create a, a life after he got his green card but like you had to make like almost $20,000. I was working like last year. I finally hit that broke that after working like six months of 40 hour weeks in retail. Mm -hmm. But like retail is not reliable. You can't say I'm going to get all those hours, right? Like, or, you know, 35 hours or whatever it was. Cause they tried to keep me under. So I wouldn't be full time. So I wouldn't get the, the bonus, you know, the, the benefits of being full time. But like, you just looked at it and you were just like, wow yeah right and yeah. just like there's such they're obvious gatekeeping methods and it's just it's very frustrating mm-hmm. it's so, so like frustrating. i i got i got exactly what fab was going through i mean not exactly but i understood what she was going through on the the how do we survive this mindset when you're suddenly thrown into situations you don't expect mm-hmm. and you know the coatsy is that how you the say it? yeah yeah see um, Lakotsi, like, she was doing the best that she could, and it still takes time and effort and a lot of knowledge about, you know, how to get in touch with the right people and stuff like that. And it, it's a whole thing. And, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's what made, like, that's what I focus on more, honestly, in the story was the immigration and watching Fab go from her different points within that, that family unit. I, I just, I saw that and I was just like, 
And then the kind of romance almost honestly took a second place to me because to me the more important thing was watching the family unit. Mm-hmm. Just be- because of my own situation, you know? Yeah. And the yeah. romance was good, don't get me wrong, but like my focus was just on that that process of understanding that fear. Yeah. Because that, that I, is where I, my focus was too, definitely. I, that's what stood out to me the most. Because like I, I loved it. Like, because I, okay, so I should mention, I hadn't read the Coastie before. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read the first one in the series. I haven't read the, the Princess in Theory, uh, Princess in Theory. Um, so I was, all this was new to me. Because the first one I'd read was actually um, Portia's story. Yes. I did by yeah. default. And then uh, I read um, Can't Buy Me Love, I think is the name of the one with Reggie, her sister. Oh, um, can't, can't Escape Love, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I keep, see, I keep wanting to call it Can't Buy Me Love. Anyway. <laughs> um, which is really bad because it's about escape. Anyway, I was introducing myself to these characters and I was like, but what I really liked was the fact that these were two very defined women about who they were not always confident in certain things, but they, they understood who they were, right? Like mm-hmm. they, yeah. they, were, they were firmly solid characters within their own mind. They weren't siphons for the reader to kind of go through. These were very clearly defined characters going through their own things, and the romance kind of bumped into it. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's what I loved. And um, uh, I definitely recommend A Princess in Theory, and you get to see Lakotsi a little bit in it, and... Um, and she's still the same person that she is in Once Ghosted, Twice Shy. Um, you know, she's got this very suave, um, you know, she talks to the prince and tells him that uh, I'm going to a hotel tonight and I might not be going alone, so don't wait up. Um, and, and you see that in this book, too, where she's just, she's so suave. I think that that's really the word that kept coming to mind, especially when uh, they had their first date and she showed up with the flowers. And I, I love that. I love that part, yeah. how how she was, uh, she was late and the flowers weren't, and I'm sorry, I'm late. Uh, she was late because she was getting the flowers and she had really put a lot of thought into what was in the bouquet. And, um, and just uh, her asking, uh, you know, explain, tell me your life story. And, and was it 30 seconds? I can't remember if with yeah. four questions, something like that. It was so cute. Yeah. And um, telling her she wanted to fall a little in love with her. Like she, she had some good moves. You know, she I, was, yeah, she was definitely swap. Like she was mm-hmm. like, you could see she knew what she was doing. She was secure in the fact that she knew who she was. And she knew that was going to be um, something that you were going to be wanting to be around. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I, I thought was really nice, too. It's You don't always find that with the love interest in, in romances. And so it's always nice to kind of find that, that confidence, that self-assuredness. Yes, it's so great. And I loved the way Alyssa Cole describes what, what she and Fab were both wearing. And I don't pay a lot of attention to fashion. And a lot of times when I'm reading books and they're describing what the person is wearing, I just, I have no picture of it in my head. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to the next uh, paragraph here. But I could see it with them. And the cover too, like what an amazing cover. Just so cool, the two of them. Like, And Lakotsi, what she's wearing is so dapper. Well, and I think what's more interesting to me about that is, is I remember reading this, that um, uh, the there was I think the models were actually a couple in real life. I heard that too. Yeah, I think I think I think Cole said that that they were a couple in real life, and you can see it when you look at it. You can see that charge, that magnetism, that 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 not just that love and lust, but also that trust. Yeah, like that's like that smile, Fab smile. It's a beautiful this, smile. 
And it just says so much to me. Mm-hmm. It does. And the Coatsy's face, too. Just, like, you can see they, they love each other and they have fun together. You can really see they enjoy each other's company. And you can definitely tell that they're, like, you can tell that they're, they're charged by each other. Like, they, they are best when they're together. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say they're not when they're, when they're apart, but I mean, like, what I mean is, like, they, the magnetism is just so strong. Like, you can just feel their adoration of each other. Mm-hmm. Like, really the, the way that, like, you know, Fab is smiling up and, like, the kind of, like, interested smirk that mm-hmm. Lakosi is doing, it really works for me. It does. It does for me, too. It's it's very real. I like that because, you know, romance covers, they're, you know, they're so fun. But sometimes it it, it looks a little posed and that's fine. But this is um, this just looks so real and relatable. It literally looks like someone was just taking a picture as they were walking by for an Instagram. Photo, yeah, right? exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. And how cool is that? It's so great. And but also what I love is I like the colors that bounce around on mm-hmm. the cover. Yes. Because usually I don't talk about the covers, but this cover is just so dynamic to me because of the different layers, like the different blues and the different like purples and the greens and the yellows and like all these colors, you you can feel the vivaciousness of the characters from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole Reluctant Royals series, the covers are so good. I yeah, I don't know who designed them, but they're just amazing. I, I love um Portia and Dukes. Because mm-hmm. of that bright dress. Yes. It's the same thing. It, like, literally, it's the same thing to me with this cover. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you've got the you've got the purple background. You've even got, like, the purple on the Coatsy shirt. Yes. But, it's but then, such a cool shirt. But, but then you have, like, that pop of teal and then that pop of, like, that blue, that cornflower blue and all these, like, it just, it always works. And it just, and then you've got, like, the purple on Fab's lips that matches. Like, it's all so well done. It's so mm-hmm. well designed. It really, really is, and I love purple, so that just that just added to my love of the cover. Me too. It's my favorite color. Yeah. I I almost made the color for this podcast purple, but I was like, yeah, but it's romance, so maybe not. Yeah, pink works. <laughs> yeah, pink is just more signifying of. You can see it and know probably what the source is about, but I yeah. almost went purple because <laughs> I love purple. Um, Purple's awesome. It's just so encompassing, and where I am now, like. There's so many different versions of purple that I didn't have in the States because it's different temperature, different, like, um, uh, like climate zone, but also, like, just different, uh, like, weather, weather stop gaps. Like, because mm-hmm. in Atlanta, a lot of things have got, like, an acid sheen to them because of acid rain. Right, <laughs> yeah. But here, the colors are so vib- vibrant and, like, the purples. Like, the other day, I took pictures of, like, a purple thistle that actually would match the purple from this cover. Like, it's, it's oh, natural to see that in the wild. Mm-hmm. And so you see all that, and you're like, oh. And you're just wow. like, it, it makes sense. Like, you see, and you're like, I see where they probably got the idea for this stuff. Mm-hmm. That is really neat. And that's not something I thought about, you know, colors, how you see colors and experience them in different cultures and in different places. Um, but, yeah, what a good point. Yeah, that's really cool to think about. And I, and I imagine that's probably what Alyssa Cole was going for when she had this sketched out in her head and then someone obviously put it together. But I'm sure that was what she was going for with it, too, right? Yeah. Like she wanted something that was vivacious and bright and, and something you could see. Yeah. Because, like, you can, you can imagine seeing the brownstones in the background or the, the big area, like, the, the elevator. Like, mm-hmm. elevator oh, my gosh, that elevator. Like that, <laughs> right? Like, it was, it was such a smart 
you could feel like you were in New York. I've never been in New York, but I could feel like I was in there. Yeah, that's how you I know? felt too. It, it's just so fun just going out They're They're going out and exploring. It kind of reminded me of um, that movie Before Sunrise, I think, where they, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, they get off the train, like a spur of the moment, and they go look around and explore and fall in love. And this was a little different since they'd known each other before, but it kind of had the same vibe. Um, yeah, it was just so cool with them going around and exploring the city and reconnecting again. Um, and I loved it when they went to that that nap place, and I think Fab fell asleep, and that was so yeah. cool. Um, then just yeah. going back to the elevator, like, <laughs> that was so weird. Like, <laughs> just like, it was cool, but some of the stuff that was there, I'm like, why, why are they looking at this? Like, you know, the, the things, like, I've never said this on a podcast before, but you know, the things found in anal cavities, like, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, you're like, yeah. but, but why are you collecting it? But also, I'm kind of interested to see what, what it is. Yeah, I know, <laughs> so, right? Like, it's one of those things where it's gross, but you're kind of intrigued anyway. <laughs> exactly yeah and then but then like at the same time you go to like all these little like um food spots that like you know fab knows and and so she like you know brings them along and and she makes it into this whole and it's an experience that's also a very it's a very strong love letter i think Mm -hmm. the the experience of that day you know Mm -hmm. like it's, it's a reminder of what they had and what they could have had but sometimes life gets in the way. You have to deal with life as it happens. Exactly. And sometimes you have to give things up for it. And you can't always explain why. Because it's hard to say, hey, I got to go. Because, you know, in this case, spoilers abound because it's my podcast. But <laughs> Fab's aunt has gotten picked up and is scheduled for deportation. Which means her cousin needs someone to take care of her. Like, there, there's all these responsibilities, and it's coming at a time just when she was about to still go on her own world. You know, like, mm-hmm. she was going to stop being an accountant, she was going to go be a jewelry maker, and have her own online business, and when we know people can make money doing that, because we see it. We see how many people on Etsy, or even Facebook, or whatever, selling homemade jewelry, and, and making their mark, and having their own website, and having their own, like, you know, web shop, and stuff like that. And, I mean, we, we see it with romance writers all the time. Romance writers make jewelry as well. Mm-hmm. So we can see where people can make their money doing that. And so you're just sitting there like, you're so excited for Fab for that start. And then suddenly, whoosh. Yeah, life. Like, just Everything happens. has to go on hold. Yeah. Like, she has to go back doing what she didn't want to do. She didn't mind being an accountant. It just wasn't what her passion was. And I, and I get mm-hmm. that. You survive with what you do. Which is what mm-hmm. I was doing with retail because, like, I I didn't like retail as a as a job. Like, it's very inconsistent. It can be very like harmful in different ways, in many different ways. But what I liked was the customer side of it. But it it wasn't a passion. It was I was passionate about my my customers, but I wasn't passionate about the job itself. Yeah. And I used to go round for round at my job sometimes doing that. By the way, like I would stand mm-hmm. up for my customers every day of the week. Um, actually one of my former customers is going to be on the podcast later this year. Oh, that's so uh, cool. It's yeah, so fun we, when you we, get to stay in touch with people. Yeah. Like, and she, well, she's, a, um, she runs a podcast on X-Files and she's also a writer. So, but oh. like I, she was, she was literally my customer and I was telling her I was leaving. She's like, Oh my God, you had this. I was like, yeah, I've got a podcast. So we started talking. I was with her for a very long time. I watched some of her, I watched her kids grow up for a while. So like 
you have that element and i think that's what fab wanted in her design work she wanted to have that passion for the act of interacting and making something and creating it you know kind of like how i was doing with my customers it's the Mm -hmm. same idea yeah 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 she definitely had that passion and then just then to have that opportunity taken away from her at least temporarily it's just heartbreaking and just getting to know her in the story and how passionate and um, fun and driven she is it's it's hard to imagine her being an accountant because that's just how good Alyssa Cole's books are that you can really get to know the characters well enough that you know that that is not the right job for her that's just not that's not a not a fit you know it's not what she wants um yeah have you read um it's a it's a memoir in the country we love and think that's the title it's i can't remember the name of the person who wrote it but she's on orange is the new black no oh my gosh like that it touches on it's very got some similar things to this except it actually happened where her parents were from columbia i think and they were both deported and she like and she was left like she was a teenager just uh you know they were gone and she had to go live with a family friend and it was just it was just devastating, and I, I thought about that a lot throughout this book with um, with what happened to Fabiola's niece. And I think it was a better situation for her because she had family to go to at least. But, um, yeah, it really brought that book into my mind a lot. With this, um, Fab's family is, ha- is Haitian, and Fab was born here, so she has that, I um, can't remember the word for it, but she's got the blood thing so she can stay because she was born here. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think about that because I knew in high school, my prom, my junior prom date, um, he we went together, but he didn't want to be in, you know, he was just like a prom date. And then mm-hmm. a couple months later, you know, found out he was he'd been dating somebody at his work, and then she got deported. She um. she had got she got deported back to Mexico, mm-hmm. and so I think that that's one thing that kind of framed a lot of my my thoughts as a child as a, not a child, but like eighteen, you know, seventeen, mm-hmm. eighteen, so not child but not really adult yet either right um i think that's that's i think that's what framed a lot of my my processes and then i started reading more and more and then you know the migrant crisis happened in 2014 over here in europe and i was reading even Mm -hmm. more and my heart was breaking because there was nowhere for these people to go and it wasn't just syrians it was you know other people that were like drawn in the middle of the conflicts as well because the the area had been so um war brutalized for so long that there was just a lot of of badness going on in the region and my heart broke and so i remember reading those and i remember reading this and my my i just i felt so bad for her aunt Mm -hmm. because how scary must it be to be locked away and not be able to can to to see your child to say goodbye or to do this or that you know what i mean like you you don't have that option Mm-hmm. exactly yeah and so scary your whole world is that one that that one instance that you can't fix or change mm-hmm. yeah exactly oh my gosh this is making me think of um the levers by lisa ko where um there's a woman i i don't remember where she's from but she's asian and um she she works in a nail salon and she um she gets rounded up by ice and um gets deported and it happened in modern times and it really sucked because you know we live in a time where we don't have to memorize phone numbers anymore and so she didn't know how to call her family because she didn't didn't know their phone numbers she hadn't memorized them so um 
you know, and it, reading about how that affected her son and her, um, yeah, just, this is such an important issue to read about, um, you know, and like I keep saying, it's nice to read, it was nice to read it in this story and knowing that, having that comfort, knowing that it was going to be okay and that it was not going to end the way we've experienced or the way we're seeing a lot of other people experience. It was just, it was really nice. Um, it felt like a safe way to explore that issue and break it down. And, and I, like, that's exactly why I like the story. Like literally like the romance to me was the fact that it was great. Like I said, I'm, I, I'm not saying it wasn't because it was like, it was amazing to watch these two women find their way back to each other. But what I found even more to me was the um, intimacy in their conversations the second go round, right? Mm -hmm. Because like the first one, there was a lot of like, um, it was that first glow. So you didn't necessarily dig deep. I mean, you did, like they dug deep, but they didn't like, these things hadn't happened. They hadn't occurred. So they couldn't confront it. And now they're confronting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. And you can just, I love books where you can just feel the connection between the characters and it was just so obvious here. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a love at first sight story with the two of them, but it definitely felt like that. Or, um, my, my I think my mother used to call it lust with potential <laughs> instead yes. of love at first sight. And it was definitely that. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you could definitely see the sparks with them. You could see their interest in each other. And then you could see beyond that, you could see their, um, they're valuing of each other like you like when they'd go back and forth to what they'd done and stuff like that like um there there's a lot of scenes where they go through the list right and mm -hmm. so when they're going through this list and you know fab's like oh we can do this and, and you know and the coach he's like we've already done i've already done that like you weren't here for it so like i, I wanted to go do things that made me think of you so i've already done them mm -hmm. right and so and and you understand that because if you've ever had someone that you loved like like not stay around mm -hmm. you you have that feeling because like i i haven't had that kind of love but i've had that kind of a lust feeling mm -hmm. and so i can only imagine it like you know times a thousand yeah and lust i mean there, there was some sexual lust but also like the lust of the situation the lust of being in love almost like yeah like that. Mm -hmm. yeah and so you know I've, I've had that happen before i mean like i used to sing hot and cold by katie perry to my friends when i was talking oh, about yes. him <laughs> um because i was just like that was literally like that was a perfect song for him because he was so hot and cold and he was also mm -hmm. a lot younger than me and so i i was attracted to him and we had all this stuff going on anyway it was a long story but the point being that like i get it like you do these things because you want to remember them even though it ended badly or something didn't go right and mm -hmm. and i i under i understood where she was going with that and when they were talking about like walking you know around and and seeing things and experiencing them together you you felt that connection yeah. that you don't always get when you read romances some some romances don't have that deep connection but Alyssa cole is dynamic at that like oh yeah I, she's phenomenal phenomenal Alyssa cole is just fin fantastic on that yeah. and you can definitely read it because you can see where they come from and where they are and, and who they are and all that stuff it really matters to me as yeah. I'm reading this, because, you know, I, I think about the women a lot more than the men on the podcast, and there's two women here that are strong, but there's also, you know, there's um, Fab's niece, there's Fab's aunt, her mom, you know, like, there's all these other women that are integral to the storyline as well. 
Yeah. Oh, this book must really pass the Bechdel test then. Oh, I think it I was absolutely just thinking does. about that. It must. Yeah, because I mean, other than talking about the prince, I can't think of any time they really bring up men. That's so cool. Yeah, because I think I think the only other time we talk about it may have been like the attorney. I think that was mm-hmm. like about it. Yeah. So I mean, like, it, and it's all within like connection to helping someone else. It's not talking about how cute the guy is. It's talking about how how it can help them versus yeah. you know. There's like a lot of um, layers to this this book, and I really liked that. I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, like too. I said, you don't always get that. Yeah, one great thing about Alyssa Cole too, I've noticed in reading some of her books, is that um, I feel like uh, you know when the characters are intimate, I feel like it's really focused. Yeah, it's it's really focused on like the women, the woman's pleasure. I think like the you know pleasing the woman and. I think that's really great to see because there, there's just not enough about that. I think it's a lot of times sex in some of these books, it's more about pleasing the man. So I I really appreciate that about her writing. Yeah, I do too. Like I I think that's massively important, honestly. Yeah. It, it's just like um, even the men that you that you read about, like even in like um, A Duke by Default, you know, the, the male characters were still – and part there to serve the female character grows instead of the other mm-hmm. way around. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I love, too, that, um, like, this book is certainly, it's the case with this book, too. But um, I love that the characters, they, they're not there to save each other. It's not like that. Um, they're, I think they're more just there to, um, I guess this isn't really a story where they needed to be saved, where they were having a hard time and they needed I guess Fabiola a little bit, but, um, but they're not there to fix each other's problems. They're, you know, they're there to support each other and help if they can. But, um, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going off the wrong tangent here. Cause now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if it, it applies to this book, but I, I don't know if you know what I'm saying, but like, it's two very individual people and they're not there to fix each other's lives. It's, um, they're two very unique individuals and, um, yeah, they're there to support each other more than that. I like, I like that, um, that the characters in Alyssa Cole's book stay they're there to support one another and encourage one another not not lead each other's lives I think that's so awesome well yeah because it's like it's it's the opposite of the the like alpha hole theory is what I call it you mm-hmm. know like where where the guy comes in or and sometimes the women come in and they just like push their way through and fix all the problems without letting the other character find their own path either. yes mm-hmm. like they decide this is your way you know or it's kind of, or it's kind of like the 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 alpha hole theory you see on like soap operas a lot, right? Like where the guy just comes through and barges in, and the women are like, "Well, we were handling it. Like I mm-hmm. had a plan. My plan was here. It may have been a bad plan, granted, but it still wasn't you doing all the work and and getting to decide what I'm going to do, right? And so it, it doesn't like Alyssa Cole doesn't allow that. The, the guy can try it, but it doesn't work. Like mm-hmm. Sword Bay. <laughs> Sword almost, Bay, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, Sword Bay basically took took the place of the female love interest in that way. You mm-hmm. know, because, like, Portia was doing all the work. Obviously, because yeah, it was her job, but but she was doing the work. Sort of like how Lakosi was fixing the problem, not because, you know, somebody needed to come in with a white knight, but because she could help. Right. She was doing it because it was the right thing, but also she was doing it because she had that option. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's it's the the competence level and the competency and the the self awareness that you get in a Alyssa Cole book is I think really important. 
Yeah, it's really great. Oh my gosh, if you want to talk about self-awareness, um, the next book, um, I think it was a Prince on Paper. Um, if you ever read that, like definitely let me know because that there's so much self-discovery in the characters in that, and they're both they both have some major baggage and. Um, and they're not there, you know, trying, I'm trying not to spoil it, but you know, they're, they're not there to fix each other's lives. Um, they wind up supporting each other, but the baggage is is still there, but, um, but they're there for each other. And I just love that. And that one, that's on my list too. Like that's on, like I have a very long list of things I can't afford right now. Um, (laughs) the same. Because, well, well, yeah, because like, you know, and like, I don't have access to the, to the American library systems anymore. So Mm -hmm. I don't have that. And like over here, they're going to have German. They're not going to have American and I don't speak enough German to read the books. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's all like, it's all about sales. I look for the best sales and stuff like that. And, and now that I'm like avoiding Amazon at all costs, I have to wait for it to go and sell on the nook. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But um, that that's just being a ger- like being an American in Germany. They suddenly decided that I couldn't buy stuff with my German oh, yeah. account, with my German oh, no. German bank account. Like they're like they anyway. Because um, I still have an American card and I have a, a German card and I have the American card because occasionally I have to pay for things that are in, you know like in America. So mm-hmm. I have to keep both right now. But um, anyway, so it's a whole thing. So I can't go through the, you know, getting through the deals that way. So I have to make sure that they're on the deals on the Nook. And so, like, I got, um, the, like, I was very happy to see that, like, the Edge of Survival was on sale on both Amazon and the um, and the Nook at the same time. Because oh, I can nice. afford that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because like, you can't always get the 99 cent sales on the Nook that you can get over on Amazon. Because, right. you know, they, they want the lowest cost possible. Authors don't need the money, but, you know, Amazon yeah. could use the boost in the ratings. So, mm-hmm. and so you're just kind of like looking through all this stuff, but I, I like the fact that, you know, Cole very clearly has her outline direction and voice for each of these stories. Yes. Yes. And, she really does. And there, I think her books are really well researched too with, with the topics she discusses. Like they're very, you can tell she knows what she's talking about. She's done the work. Yeah, and well, and I, like not even just that. Like with the, um, you can tell that she's listening to her people who are reading it as it goes. Like you can tell mm-hmm. the people that are she's paying attention to what's being said, even though she doesn't like change it. You can see where the, you, you can almost see where sometimes the, the listening happens from her end. Mm-hmm. Like you you can see where you know as she's the more she writes the more you can you can see that growth. Yes. And that's not to say she needs to grow. It's just that I think every writer should grow. <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. Like the more you write, the more you understand your voice, the more you understand all those things you should be growing. Yeah. You know, like the like Bev Jenkins from, you know, 1994 is not the Bev Jenkins of 2020, right? Right. Like huge, massively growth in understanding what they, what they value as a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within their characters and stuff like that. And you can definitely see that. And, and this is such a tight story for such a small amount of space. Yeah. I mean, it really, like, she got a lot in there. And it didn't feel overwhelming. Um, I, I went to see Alanis Morissette. Did you know that she has a musical now? No, I did not. It's really cool. I think, it, I, of course, I do this thing where I go on podcast and I have all these things I want to share and then I forget the names of them. But I think it was called Jacket Little Bill. I, I should know I saw it. But um, but they there were so many issues that were crammed into that. And I, I think, you know, it can be indicative of real life because there's a lot of things happening. But um, 
but there was uh, race and sexual assault and uh, drug addiction and all important things, but there was so much. I'm like, I, I don't know what to take away from this. So it was really nice with this book. I feel like they covered some things, but um, it was done in a way that I didn't feel overwhelmed as a reader. And I was able to take away a little bit more from the things she did discuss. So yeah, I thought that was really great. And you can see it from both sides of the issue. And I don't mean like both sides, like, you know, Republican and, and Democrat, but like both sides of the the administrative side because of Lukosi, but you can also see the emotional side from Fab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I, yeah, that's important too, because um, there is from the administrative side, it's, it's a lot too, because there's so many hoops you have to drop, jump through to, um, to help if you're a lawyer to help your client, or just if you're working with someone um, like Lukosi was, there's, there's a lot you need to jump through and you need to know um, what the rules are because, or not in my friend's case, I guess she knew all the rules and that didn't help, but um, you know, it really, you really have a lot that you need to know. um, And being able to see that with Lakotsi, I think was really great too. And yeah, I love, I love that you brought that up seeing both sides of it because there's the emotional impact, especially too. like um, that's, you could really feel that in this book. Uh, and that's such a big part of the immigration issue is how it's affecting people individually and their families. And and the people they work with, too, their lawyers even, I think it's, um, I'm sure it can be a difficult time for them emotionally as well, seeing what's happening to people. Well, yeah, I mean, especially because, like, you know, we, we keep talking about, well, we, being the media, keeps talking about um, immigration and, and they keep bringing up the kids at the border you know, the poor children in cages. I'm like, dude, they're not your teddy bear from third grade, so stop it. Right. Um, but, you know, you you can tell that when it breaks people. Or you can see it when people are talking, when they, when, you know, people are grabbed taking their kids to school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, it, you have to prove you're a U.S. citizen, but every time you can prove it, it's not the right system. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's all a it's all fear tactics, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's a say it's it's a way of suppressing and oppressing and creating fear so people won't react. Mm-hmm. And I um I have some I I used to be a journalist for a very short time, and I was really again cool. writing about the I was writing about the migrant crisis here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't a I wasn't a big journalist. I wasn't anything you know major, but. I, I focus on human interest stories and that's what I call these human human interest stories because they are at the heart of who we are as humans, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. how you react, how you handle it, what, what you can do and how you can change things is the whole point of it. It's, it's not just a social thing, it's a human issue. And so one of my stories got reprinted in a, a Fresno, in the Fresno Alliance at one point. And um, I've, I've been following them and, you know, my, the person that was working there ended up, um, quitting that one, but she started her own little, you know, small journalism paper mm-hmm. in the area. And you can see it like in, in like Fresno and all these places, you can see these things that you, you wouldn't think of thinking of Fresno, California, really, but mm-hmm. it's huge. It's a huge issue there. Yeah. You know, it's a huge issue in the South when it comes to workers. It's over here. You see it with, the Romanian workers, the Polish workers that come in and do the hard labor that, you know, other people may not want to do. Like, you know, um, 
about three or four months ago, it was sparble season, which is like white asparagus. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't have enough people to pull it because the people came from other countries. But they couldn't come from other countries because it was a lockdown. Yeah. So what do you do? I mean, like there's like probably billions of dollars of wasted potatoes in, in Germany right now and in, other, in the area, the re, like the this part of Europe, because there was no one there to do the labor. And so people make these comments about they're taking our jobs. I'm like, what job are they taking? Are you on in the field? Are you working for like 20 cents an hour, basically, when you consider mm-hmm. all the the medical costs and everything else they're going to have to go through to do it? You know, it's like... People make all these comments, and in the case of this book, the Haitians, there's always this kind of mentality of people think of Haitians, they think of them as, you know, like, maids or, you know, the Mm -hmm. lesser classes. And, again, this is with little things, little hand hand things, guys, because it's not my views, but it's it's that mentality, and you, you see that, and you hear that, and you're just like, your whole body just freezes, because you're like, but they're valuable because they're somebody's somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's their child, their mother, their their cousin, their great aunt, their, you know, it, it doesn't matter. They're somebody, somebody, even their, you know, even their employer, depending on what they do. You know, like they could be a caretaker for somebody, right? Like there are all these things that people can do and you just, you hear this and your whole brain just seizes up and you just want to, yeah yeah it's so uh i have a friend who's a spanish teacher she told me a story she was teaching middle schoolers at the time and uh the kids students were getting into a debate and there were you know this was a um you know a more wealthy area in maine where i live and um uh, you know it's pretty white here uh and uh these kids were saying like just things kind of like what you were talking about like oh they're taking your jobs da 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 and and my friend said, well, you know, I know people who are here illegally. And the kids are all like, what? Who? And she just said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're human beings. It doesn't matter. And um, I'm really glad she said that to them because uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter who yeah. it is. They are human beings uh, or, you know, people who do have to come to the country, quote unquote, illegally. I hate saying that, but it's it's the way it I is. I hate but, that um, word. Yeah, I do too. Especially when people are I, like, "Oh, they're they're illegal people are illegal beings." And um, Maria Inojosa, she's a um, a journalist I love. She always points out to people, um, "There's no such thing as an illegal human being." And um, right, I love that. Yeah, so um, people Maybe. who come here, they are human beings, and they're all the things you said: someone's mother, or someone's child. Um, yeah, and it's just very discouraging when people don't see that. And there's so many people right now who don't see that. And it's like, like I said before, I'm from the, I'm from Georgia. I'm from Metro Atlanta. Um, I've I've been battling some of these topics with with people I love very much because I I can't not right like mm-hmm. that like that's my job. The the privilege I have of being a white woman is pretty freaking huge. Like yeah. it's ginormous, and so you have to fight back. You have to say that's not okay and. I, I'm not saying this for brownie points, guys. I want to make that clear because it's not about that. It's about saying the common sense things that people are not saying. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on, white lady down the street. You know what's going on, white CEO up in the tower. Like you are aware of all this stuff, but you're letting, you're literally letting people like die because you don't want to get your hands messy. 
Mm-hmm. Because exactly. it doesn't directly affect you. And then if it does directly affect you, well, then that's an exception to the rule, not the actual rule. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you you hear all that, and you're, like, my heart just, it, it's like, goes cold when I hear that, because I realize just how, like, apathetic people are, and I don't understand that mentality. Mm-hmm. I don't. Like, you should always fight for what's right. Yeah. You, you should understand. always, always, always fight for what's right. For right. And before I was an immigrant, it was different. I, I didn't understand it. But now that I understand it more, I'm fully on board with, like, all the the immigration issues just to be eliminated in the U.S. and for people mm-hmm. just to come. Yeah. It's not our land anyway. Right. <laughs> like, right. White it's, people, yeah. it wasn't our land, land to start it with. It's not our so. land. We stole it. Yep. So yeah, it's so no, true. You, you get nothing. Like, and it, we didn't, like, just steal it from the Native Americans. Like, we stole it from the... Mexicans too like you know like mm-hmm. it wasn't just one place or another that we stole it from it was like the whole freaking country was stolen Hawaii especially yeah oh yeah oh my gosh yeah. um so you, you know all this stuff and you're aware of this and it's like the the lack of of empathy just staggers me and that's why I liked this book because I felt like Lakotsi was empath she was analytical Mm-hmm. But she was very empathetic about it. She understood some like once she found out what was going on, the whole thing clicked into place for her in that moment because she understood that terror because she had dealt with people that had been in that terror on the other end. Yeah, definitely. And I yeah, she is definitely someone who I think can come in and take charge and help in those kind of situations. I think she's very much type A. Like um, you know, at the beginning, it talked about her as. Um, I wrote it down. It was like Slayer of something, Slayer of Schedules, and I'm just looking at the book here really quick. It was uh, Mother of Schedules and Slayer of Inefficiencies. Um, so she's um, she's very big on planning and having, I, I think, having contingency plans, too. I kind of get that feeling with her. So um, her having this knowledge and being able to just jump in and help because um, she's so resourceful, I think is so awesome. And she's smart enough to know that her position as the the right-hand woman allows her to make contacts that other people wouldn't get. Mm-hmm. And it allows her to access things that other people could not access. Yes. And to, mm-hmm. and to right some wrongs mm-hmm. along the way. Not just for her, you know, not, not just for her country and her people, but also for any person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that. She definitely saw her privilege. um, And, you know, she wasn't like one of those people up in the tower who doesn't want to get their hands dirty. You know, she, she went in there and and helped her friend. And I, you just know that she would help other people too. Uh, That's just who she is. She wouldn't just be saying, oh, well, this is, this is different. This is my situation. I know her. Like she would help people. She would help other people too. It's kind of like the, it's kind of like the antithesis of the, the royal people in like a Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. Where they it doesn't it nothing like gets their attention until suddenly they're the ones on that other side. And they're like, oh my god! And you're like, did you miss the news in your newspapers? Did you miss the news and mm-hmm. like the American like like Western media, especially because most of them on Hallmark are Western uh, countries, are full of these kind of stories. Mm-hmm. Like, how long have we heard things about like with um the British? Uh, they just had the, I can't remember the name of it, it was the wind, wind something, where they, like, they, they 
took all the people back to Jamaica, right? Like, yeah. deported them back. Mm-hmm. And so you you see all these things happening, and it's like, how do you miss that? Yeah, how like, do even you miss even it? in these even in these fictional worlds, it must exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just remember they touch on um, immigration issues a little bit in um, uh, what was it in, in, in a Dupe by Default um, with Portia yes. with because her. I don't remember. I don't remember what Sword Bay's name was, but um, he, his Tav. mother, his mother was Chilean. Tavish. Yeah, she yeah, was Chilean. Tavish. And oh, what was it? Tavish. Oh yes, Tavish. Yeah, yeah he was kind of hot. <laughs> but <laughs> he, yeah, he, he just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a Chilean mother. And there, were, I mean, there were some terrible things going on in Chile in the seventies. So um, they just went through hell. And uh, you know, and reading about how in the book, how the, um, people in the monarchy were so racist and anti-immigrant. Um, yeah, that really hit home. I, yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's based in reality because mm-hmm. Britain's got a wild history. Um, so, and, and the thing is, is you can't not draw upon that knowledge because you're talking about countries that are real. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. So like you, you, you can't rewrite that history. Yeah, you can't. And like, like you said, like, like Tab, like all that was him. Like he, his, like his mom was like a, a refugee, and you know, Chilean refugee. And I can't imagine being in Britain in the like the seventies, and you're not that far removed from the the forties either, when mm-hmm. there was a very strong, you know, uh, Nazi and far right wing world, and you're seeing it being built as the. 80s come through you're yeah. seeing it be built and so you know it, it's something very important and i think that's one thing i like what the Brooklyn royals that i've read so far is you can see the privilege and you can see the outcome mm-hmm. and and you can see how different pieces of the puzzle fit together yes yeah did you read the piece Alyssa cole wrote about megan and harry no Oh, it's so. I think I, I, think I missed it. It's so good. Um, yeah, she she didn't write the headline. She said, but it was something like, um, "I knew that they would break off from the family," and she didn't write that. Um, and I don't think she yeah. was happy about it. But um, but it's uh, she just talked about um, you know the racism Megan had experienced, and and this was around the time that the uh, RWA shit show was going down. So um, yeah, so it was very oh, relevant to that it. too. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> Yeah, she just talked about like setting boundaries and some of the if I, if I remember right some you know some of just some of the issues with the monarchy surrounding racism and um it's it was so cool to hear her take on that especially given that she writes about a monarchy and um yeah I definitely recommend it it's a really good read. I speaking of the the racism and the monarchy um I know that uh, what's his name uh the Michael lady uh Prince Michael, the the lady of Prince Michael, or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. um, the the lady that wore that brooch. Oh God! Um, oh. oh, I think it's like Michael Michael Kent or something like that. Yeah. Oh. Um, but like it's you know it's it's little microaggressions like that, and mm-hmm. and and you can feel it in this world, even even in the, like the fun world she's created. Because by the way, parts of this this book, like when they were eating at the restaurant, for some reason my brain. Went into the movie Gremlins. Oh, you know I've never seen that actually. I know I know what happens, but yeah, I still need to see but, that. But my but my brain went into to the Chinatown that um mm-hmm. that was in the Gremlins movie, both one and two. 
it went to that world and completely probably the wrong world and i'm sorry if that's not the right way to phrase it but what i mean is is you could see this world where community matters right Mm -hmm. so like the, the food and everything is like it's it's every restaurant every stop everything means something in some way and I thought of the Gremlins movie because I'd, I'd seen it recently. I saw it at Christmas because I was here with my husband, and that's one of our favorite movies, and we watch it every year at Christmas nice. somehow, some way. You know, even when we're not together, we watch it. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about how the places she's visiting all have power and, and, and moments with them, like the um, like when they were walking by the Freedom Tower along the way, and, and you could feel the somberness, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you could feel that. But then if you turn it back to the, like, to the nap place, you're in this wonderful world of cocooned um, familiarity and comfort. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. you go to the restaurant and you've got, like, this energy and this vibe of, look, check this out, check this out, eat this, eat, like, try these different things. And then you got the elevator. Like, you've got all these little places, and this is not all the places they went and did this throughout the, the, the book. But that one day, that one scene, th- those places were all so different from each other but they match mm-hmm. yes exactly yeah and i thought it was cool too that um and just this is kind of going back to another topic but um the way the places fabiola showed um Lakotsi, that when someone takes you on a tour of a city like that and shows you all around it kind of shows you a little bit about what that person is like too so um fabiola she's just such a neat quirky person and you know, seeing this, and she she's someone who's creative, and um, and I think you can see that as you know someone who she's an accountant, um, but it's not really her thing. She wants to do more creative things. So um, so instead of going um, to an art museum, they go to an elevator like that has stuff to look at, and um, yeah, you can just see her originality and her her love of life and her joy with all the different places they went, and her love of community. I, I really feel like she yeah. had a love of community. She loved her city, and you could feel it in everything she did. Mm-hmm. I like to me that that was that was the best parts of the romance to me. Honestly, mm-hmm. was the the fact they were so in sync, and and Lacosi trusted her to take her to these places. Like they happened to find each other by happenstance on the train, mm-hmm. right? But like that. But in that moment, they they went through, and Fab was able to show Lakosi what what she wanted wanted her to see to begin with, like who she was from the beginning, and and who she wanted to be again. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so nice. And just uh, it makes me miss exploring. Um, you know, now that now that there's a global pandemic. Um, I know I haven't been getting out a lot um, it, here in Maine. It, it's frustrating because a lot of tourists are coming now and, you know, like they're not wearing masks and it's not, you know, they're not being safe, which is sad. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of freedom to travel around and just, you know, go and enjoy the day uh, like they did in the book. And um, it really made me look forward to whenever or if ever we have where we'll be able to do that again for, you know, the people who have access to that. So, yeah, it was beautiful, and it made me, it's so weird to say, it made me nostalgic for pre-COVID times when that was, like, not even a year ago. <laughs> right? It was, yeah. like, four months ago. Yeah, it just um, feels like it's, a, it's like, decades or centuries ago now. 
Well, that was like, so COVID had started to be on the rise, but it wasn't quite as bad. Um, and when we went to the city, actually where I'm moving to, but we went to the city and we went and got my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but first we had to go see her and, and I wanted to go make sure I could handle having a dog because in the past I've had a dog and <clears throat> I had to have dogs and I had to give them up. Like mm-hmm. I, I could not take them with me. And so I just, I love my animals and having to give them up just kills me. Yeah. And so I had to go make sure I could handle it again. But we went through, we went exploring because I had to go turn in some American money and stuff like that and get some, basically it paid for the train tri- the train ticket and like a lunch or whatever we wanted. So I went and did that and I was like, wow, that was the last time. And that was only like a little over four months ago, like barely, you know, what, 20 something weeks ago? Like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, and it happened so, I don't know how it was there, but it happened so fast. Like, um... It was the first week of March, I think. My grandfather had actually passed away. And then, um, so I, I was on bereavement leave. And then um, the following week, like our, not even that, that weekend, I think, before the, yeah, it was the end of the week. We, I was still working at the library at the time. And we were getting, you know, these emails and texts saying, okay, you know, we're going into stage three where, you know, the library is going to be shutting down a couple of these things and we won't be having services um, or gatherings or programming. And then like every day, like before Monday, we were getting an update like, okay, now we've moved to stage, whatever. And then by Monday, the library was closed and we were all working remotely. Like it happened like that fast. And yeah, it's just, and even now we're, we're learning things, new things so quickly. And, um, it feels like it's still changing every day and it's scary. So, um, this book was such a nice escape, you know, it was an escape while dealing with issues at the same time. Um, you know, a very important issue, but it didn't feel heavy. Like my heart didn't feel weighed down when I was done with it. Like it might with some other books. Like I felt, you know, I felt like I was able to think about it. Um, I, I just keep saying the same thing, but yeah, it's, it was an escape, but, um, but also being able to look at real issues in a way that wasn't draining. Yeah. And, and I, I, that's exactly it. Like, you know, I'm trying to read more books about, because I tend to find books about issues anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's just the way I roll. Me too. I'm, I'm also trying not just to read historical on this podcast. <laughs> historical is like my, that's my comfort zone. That's like one of my major comfort zones. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to not do that. But like, if you read, have you read, um, the Wallflower Wager by Tessa Dare. No, I want to. I've heard it's good. Okay. It's really good, but there's some really, like, strong themes in there that you don't necessarily expect. And But, it's again, it's done in a way that it, there's a lightness to it. It's the same way that Alyssa Cole does this. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, the topics are very serious, but there's a lightness and a, and a appreciation of the audience. Yes. To not cause, um, you know... A, a traumatic response or to make them think of something they don't want to think about, right? Like, it's it's done in a way that is respectful to the audience as well. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I just read this romance by, um, I think her name was Mary Holmes Chase or, no, Mary Chase Holmes. I can't remember. She's not very well known. The book was called The Irish Bride, and um, I found out about it because it takes place in Bangor, Maine, where I grew up, and... I was so upset at the end because um, there there was a queer character who um, played a minor role, but the way the character was treated was quite upsetting. 
Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm done with this book now. Um, so yeah, like that, it was, it was not mindful of that at all. And it's nice that to see, I'm not even sure if the writer even cared about that, to be honest, just the way she presented the character. But yeah, it's nice that Alyssa is mindful of the readers and, you know, wanting to discuss these things without, um, having a traumatic effect. And, and I think it's just really important, especially as we've been establishing throughout this entire talk that that feeling of safety is so important right now like it's like the most important thing yeah and so you know that's why like i've been reading more more romances that have got more things that like the type 1 diabetes because i I actually put a call out on twitter and i got that one response and that was one of the ones that were responded and i've got um Corey Alexander, I, I'm going to read one of his and I'm going to review it, but because he sent me an, uh, our, uh, reader copy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to read that, but I, I found this one because I had started it and I was already like three chapters in before the free sample was up. So it's like, well, continue and give me more. So, but like, it's, it's nice to feel that safety mm-hmm. because I keep writing in notes in my, in my nook, just keep saying, yes, this, this is like, cause it's, and I can only imagine it's like that for people that have experienced things like immigration issues mm-hmm. or, you know, infertility issues or, you know, infidelity. Like, all these things that, that can change a person in, in very um, traumatic ways, but also, like, in ways that you find another way of dealing with it. Yes, exactly. And so... And, and so when you, when you have that kinship, when you can understand it in some level, your whole body goes, oh, that, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what Cole is best at. I think that's what Alyssa Cole is best at. Because Let It Shine, which I talked about earlier this year, um, was phenomenal. Uh, a Duke by Default, phenomenal. And every single one of those have different topics, and every single one of those have different things, but there are threads of common. Like, Let It Shine talks about immigration when they talk about, you know, um, the, the, the Jewish parents coming over after the Holocaust, mm-hmm. or the grandparents, rather. Um, you know, you've got the, the same thing when you talk about, like, the, the refugee. Like, you see a lot of these major themes throughout her work in different positions and different places of coming into it. Yes. Yeah, you definitely do see it. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Have you read her? Um, have you gotten around to her Loyal League series at all? The ones in the Civil Not War? Not yet. Yeah, I read I read the first one finally, and that was really good too. Um, and obviously that was set during a different time. So there, um, you know, the issues weren't all the same. But I mean, obviously racism was tackled. Um, and yeah, so good. Just such a good book. Well, I think that I think it was one of those that was... Um recommended in the uh the men's health um the guy that did the i think his name was jason roberts the guy that did the the real life bro uh romance romance club type mm-hmm. thing yeah um pan club uh he i think one of the ones was recommended by it and it's by uh steve the guy at bowling state the guy that does the pop culture um i think he was the one that was you know kind of helping find all these things because i was reading it earlier um, when I was waiting to do the podcast, and I was like, "This is this is good. This is the way it should be." Ah, it's Jason Rogers. I just saw it. Okay, Come. yeah, <laughs> it, it popped up on my Twitter feed at the right time. Oh, did he pass uh, away? Who? Uh, Jason Rogers. Is that a person who passed away, or, or I might be thinking of somebody else? No, no, no. He's a he's an LA writer. Uh, he was Olympic medalist. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of a different person. Yeah, yeah, 
No, but he's he literally started a he literally started a bromance book club. That's like awesome. he in real life, right? And mm-hmm. he's if you look, um, I'll actually I'll link to it when I do the show notes. He has an uh, episode. Or he has like an article in the um in the Men's Health magazine about it, mm-hmm. about how you know, and he talks about some of the people that were in the 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 thing and. He was going to do it, and then COVID happened, so... Yeah. <laughs> Zoom, Zoom conferences all around. So it was different, different formats and different people in different groups, but the point being that, um, you know, it, it matters to talk about this kind of stuff, and when you, have, when you have women writing about men that we want to see, it changes a lot of it, I think. And because, because as those that book and and you know jason was saying that like you read what we what we want to read what women want to read as partners whether that be men or women mm-hmm. but in this case i'm talking about men because um men have been taught to not be emotionally available for the most part you yeah. know mm-hmm. uh, I, heck if you watch 90 day fiance this week they were talking to jahoon and jahoon's mama said real men don't cry right so Ugh, like yeah that, Right, like I mean, I mean, they're you know they're South Korean, so in, to her that's not what they, that's not what a man does. But the reason I'm bringing it up is, is all these books bring about these these changes that you want to see, and whether it's with by men being the character, the the love interest, or by women, it doesn't matter. The point is, is it all talks about emotion availability, and that's what Alyssa Cole always provides is that availability, that vulnerability, and that intimacy, and that's. The intimacy is what reminded me of, of some of his uh, conversations in the Men's Health magazine this month. Like I said, show notes, it'll be linked to it because I think it's a really important article people need to see. Mm-hmm. Because it's all men reading this one book and talking about it. Yeah. And then they talk about wanting to read more books because, you know, there are elements like books. So I was watching something with a YouTuber last week. And they were, it was doing a book club thing and I was watching it and the, the YouTuber was basically like, well, you know, fiction doesn't dictate anything. And I'm like, huh? Yeah, right? Ugh. Ask, ask every like librarian or archivist or historian. Mm-hmm. Probably the wrong answer there. Yeah. Because they're talking about Twilight and how, you know, well, Twilight was fiction. It didn't affect anything, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you mean like how people said that Buffy and Angel weren't affecting anything and people still, and women still got into bad relationships because that's what we learned growing up. That's mm-hmm. culturally that's what we saw. So Alyssa Cole allows people to have that that moment, those ahas, and romance in general should do that. It doesn't always do that, but it should do that. It should allow us to find something within ourselves when we're writing it. No matter, it doesn't have to be the same thing. It may be like the smallest part of the book, but you should be able to identify something with you because a lot of the books are based on the humanity that we all have. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just read uh, uh, Love and Catalina Co by Brenda Jackson, and it, it was okay. Like, it didn't have a lot of it didn't have a lot of social issues in it, which I was kind of bummed out about. But it was a good escape read. And um, but there was one thing I loved where uh, the male love interest had a daughter, and his daughter's asking him like, "Oh, Dad, is you know, are you hooking up with that lady?" And he's like, "What? Why do you know about that? Like, what that is?" And she said, oh, I've been reading romance novels. And my friends and I, like, we, her, my friend's mom gets us a big shopping bag and we all trade it around. And, and, um, and I learn about how I want men to treat me. And the dad's kind of horrified, but he also was like, oh, you know, that's, that's kind of a good thing. You know, I can, I can kind of get behind that. I don't want you, you know, reading some of that, but that's good. So I, I think a really good romance novel also would, would show that, like, how, 
you know, men to be, how men can be emotionally available and, um, you know, consent's a big issue. Um, yeah, just how, how to be a man in a healthy, stable relationship and how to have a, um, how to be with women in a way that's respectful and, um, for both of you. Yeah. I, I can't think of the words right now, but really like seeing like a modeling of healthy relationships and healthy interactions. I, I think that's so important. And that's so great that men are taking the time to read that. Um, because they don't, we don't see that in media. You know, you don't, I mean, even some more modern shows, you don't really see that, which is disappointing, but, um, yeah, yeah. it's so nice. Re- representation does matter. It, it really does. And, um, what we, the media we consume affects how we think and how we behave. So I, I love what Alyssa's doing that really challenges a lot of those things we see that might not be, um, might be not as healthy for relationships or respectful. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is a story that I think people should read, but I said about every Alyssa Cole. I know, right? Me too. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, it's, it's, to me, it's a standard. Everyone should read Alyssa Cole, at least one or two of her books. Mm-hmm. If you don't have time for the long ones and her novellas are amazing. Like I mentioned in, in the, earlier this year, Let It Shine just blew me away. I think that this is one where it's, it's also nice to see a romance between two women. Mm-hmm. that's not treated as one is a man and one is a woman right yes that's such a uh, oh my gosh they were just talking about that in queer eye the other day it was really cool that they were breaking the stereotypes down there and that you're mentioning it now i think that's awesome yeah there wasn't that whole um miss um you know like incorrect uh stereotype that you know there one has to be a man and one has to be a woman because that's not you know <laughs> It doesn't have to be that way. And that's not how it is in relationships. And it shouldn't be that way. Right. Exactly. And and so I really appreciate the fact that, like, Alyssa Cole really took the time to put that in and make sure that they were not filling a, a Mad Libs mm-hmm. situation, you know? Yes. There was no formula to say A, B, C. Like, you, you, you didn't always expect what you found. And so it was really nice. It was. Nice to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's a good book for people who um, who still are kind of in the mentality that, um, you know, if there's a lesbian couple, like, who's the, who's the man and who's the woman, you know? Um, yeah, I think it's a good way. It's, you know, another safe way to explore that and say, well, actually, here, read this. And <laughs> maybe you'll, you know, you'll get a better understanding of um, that. And yeah, it's just another example of what we consume in the media in this um this really show, you know, it breaks down gender roles and our, our preconceived notions. And it's just so cool. And b- before we wrap up on, on the, the topic, I want to say that like, it's also nice. The fact that Alyssa is proud of the characters that she writes and you can see it by the way she writes them. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Like you, you, you can see the pride in creating the stories and crafting them and putting them together and you don't always get that. And you, it's, it's amazing to see, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And in the article I mentioned, the one about um, Megan and Harry, you can really tell that she's proud of her characters there too. And, and how um, there's, uh, which one, like there, there's a couple of the Reluctant Royal series in the books where um, 
the characters, you know, they they realize that um, they don't have to follow this protocol and they don't have to stay with their family. And, you know, they, they can make their own rules and make their own happily ever after. They don't have to. Um, yeah, I think monarchies can be so structured and um, and very rigid and that is not, you know, for the, for like for Megan and Harry, that was just not good at all. So they, um, uh, they just decided, nope, we're going to, we're going to set these boundaries and, um, we, we are allowed to cut you out of our lives and, um, we don't have to follow this Royal protocol. And I love that about her books. That they, no one feels beholden to maintain something. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay, so before we wrap up, this is where we talk about what podcasts would you like to promote? Oh, okay, yes. Uh, well, I actually have two. Um, there's one called the Nostalgia Mixtape. It's the, I believe the Twitter handle is Nostalgia Mix Pod, and they just talk about pop culture from the 1980s, 1990s, and 2000s, and they'll talk about some things that are going on now, too, but they'll do things that are kind of like... A, on their Twitter profile, it was like TB, uh, TBT things. So um, like the show Pose and just it shows that might be happening now, like Stranger Things, but are taking place in the past um, during like the 80s to the 2000s. That's a really great one. Um, and uh, the other one is if you're a Star Trek fan and you like feminism, uh, Women at Warp. They're really cool. Um, I did an episode with them where we talked about uh, the T'Pol, who's a Vulcan character from Enterprise. So those are my two podcasts. Coolio. Because I, I, I would recommend them. When I first started doing this, I didn't have guests. I'd always recommend at least one or two podcasts. And I realized, wait, my, my guests listen to different podcasts than me. So extend it out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, like, so, it's so cool. I love podcast recommendations. So I was glad you asked. I love making them and I love hearing them. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's what I like finding. Like it's, it's, there's so many things you can miss, especially on the indie side, because mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, of money put towards this kind of stuff. You know, like it's a shoestring budget, but there's so many things that different readers have different expectations, but different readers also have similar interests sometimes too and so i like to make sure that everybody gets a little bit of a voice yeah it's pretty awesome yeah what was the name of your friend's uh podcast by the way the the one who had the, the x-files podcast <laughs> uh, it's called uh, the the x cast that's what it is the, the x cast okay okay I'll write that down some of my trek fans uh or trek friends they might uh they might be interested in that she's also got um she's an author mm -hmm. oh uh, cool yeah, she does paranormal type, uh, well, UF, P PNR. Um, but her name is Sarah L. Blair, so. Cool, I will look into that, thank she, you. Yeah, she's, I like her, she's so awesome. She's just definitely, like, she's one that I was glad I could keep. Mm-hmm. That's great. So nice to stay in touch with awesome people. It is. I've got, like, I have two customers that I had from my job. One on Facebook and one on Twitter mm -hmm. and Instagram. Very so cool. If you want to listen... I'll uh I'll add that in for you. Yeah. And then definitely. I'll figure out how to put that back in the episode in a minute. But yeah, I wanted to like see if there's anything else you wanted to add before you go? Oh. Any fast words? Oh my gosh, nothing I can think of. I mean, I could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I know it was very fun because like we've only talked on Twitter and we haven't really done the the like actual people talking to each other part of this. Yeah. <laughs> 
the actual voice chat part. Right? Yeah, yeah. I just love these conversations and these connections. It's it's just so fun. Yeah. Um, I can't really think of um if any of you are Star Trek fans, um I, I you can follow me on a couple of places on Twitter. My my more Trek uh, Star Trek uh, account is uh, Care Bear Lib. It's K E R R B E A R L I B, and I've been guests on a few shows. Um, I have a Spanish account that's you know mostly Star Trek, some libraries. It's uh, Carry Trek K A R I T R E K, and then um, where I met Jessica, it's um, my library slash literary account, which is uh, Carry Brary K E R R Y B R. A-R-Y. I had to think about the spelling while I was talking. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. You know, having a couple of Twitter accounts, it's kind of interesting because I, sometimes I'm like, what, should I tweet this here or over there? But um, I, I try to the keep feeling. the topics, um, I try to keep them separated per, per account. But yeah. Yeah, I tried doing that and then I was like, man. It's a lot. And when you have I've, ADHD, I've like it's hard three. to juggle them. Yeah, I've got like three three accounts, but like I've got like Jessica Hannon eighty one, which was my journalist one, mm-hmm. uh, and my 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 general one. And then I've got you know the Vespo blog, which is I still keep forgetting that I have a blog, and I just tweet about the blog, but not actually blogging. And then, and then I've got you know <laughs> da- Damsel's podcast. So sometimes I'm like, you know, where do I put this one? Yeah, it's oh, hard to know. know like which audience is going to want to see this. You know, um, and that's part of why I created um, the Carrie Berry one. Um, you know, I do most of my street tweeting surrounding Star Trek, and I just thought I don't know if they're going to be interested in in romance because that's such a different genre from sci-fi. Although yeah. it's there's a lot of um, I think both genres fans. Um, there's a lot of stereotypes about fans where, um, in the sci-fi community, there's this idea that, um, you know, you're either like a woman who's really nerdy and you can't get a boyfriend or, um, you know, if you're a man, then you live in your mother's basement and, um, you know, that just that you're a social outcast. And then, then there's a romance side where people think that, um, you know, I mean, well, you know what they think about women, you know, just that it's yeah. the the writing is unintelligent and it's not real, not real reading, not real writing. So um, it's interesting to have interest in those two different genres, but kind of see how fans are kind of, you know, there there's incorrect views of fandom for, on both sides. If um, if you get a chance, Dragon Con this year is free online. Oh, I want to go so um, much. Oh, and Garrett Wong. I don't know if he's still heading it up, but he was on Star Trek Voyager, and he's been involved right. in that. Yeah. I, so I was going to mention that um, he is... Um, oh, no, he, but the, it's all online free this year. That's so, awesome. I'm so doing yeah, So Yeah, so because it's a virtual con, I think it's free. Mm-hmm. I know it's a virtual con anyway. Um, but I mention it because there's actually like a lot of, uh, PNR, UF type writers that show up because it's a writing track and there's an author's track and there's a couple of different tracks for that. And then there's also some of the, um, the like Star Trek and, and you can see like the, the convergence of the both of them in the same panels are just kind of like amazing. That's so amazing. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So like it, it, what you said kind of made me go. Well, they probably have a lot more in common than they realize, considering I, I used to see them every year for about three days a year, just doing the same things. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then you yeah. would see them like cosplayed, so you knew what they were doing. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting too to see how like some sometimes different authors in the different genres, like they when the when the RWA shit show went down, like there were sci-fi writers who had you know Courtney Milan's back and you know um, other yep. writers and. Um, that's so cool to see like kind of like the, the commonalities between these two things I love. Yeah, and the, and the uh, sci-fi organization was 
Like, okay, well, if you write paranormal and you write, like, are you write space romance, you can come yeah, visit I us. Yeah, I saw now. that. Come, yeah, you, you, that counts. You can come join us. That was so cool. And so, you know, it's, it's nice to see that kind of connection. Yeah. And I think, I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about Twitter, honestly, is I follow so many amazing people on Twitter that, like, I can't keep up with everybody and I feel so bad when I miss things. Same, yeah. And you're just like, I don't want to miss you, though, but it's a lot of people and a lot of time and you guys are usually, like, six hours behind me. So right. <laughs> I'm in sleep when everything happens. <laughs> But it was really great having you Thank on. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was so fun. And I was glad you picked this one because I gave you like a list of a couple of, of books and you chose this one and I was glad for it. It was just fun to talk about different things mm-hmm. right? And, and how they all interconnect because I love connections. I'm that person that I always say that I'm that person that you can see them like pinging the thread and seeing exactly how long it takes to stop moving. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to see all those connections. So yeah, me too. I, I, I I love these kind of discussions. Same. So I will see you, well, talk to you on Twitter. I keep saying seeing, like I'm seeing people. I know, right? Yeah. I say that too. I I can't see anybody anymore because I'm six hours away from most of the people on my timeline. Yeah. Or nine hours for the Cali people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, like, most of my Star Trek friends, like, I'm in Maine, I don't have anybody, like, I have one friend, but, um, yeah, like, a lot of my Twitter friends, I don't, can't think of any of them that I ever see in person, but, yeah, I'll say, I'll see you later, or, like, if I'm talking to someone about, you know, if I've had a bad day, and I'll say thanks for listening, but then I'm like, oh, well, they didn't actually listen, they they read what I wrote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's okay, we, we know what we're talking about, and okay, they know, too, as long as as long as they know that I'm not being literal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Hey, guys. Okay, that was the episode. I'm thrilled that you're existing here. <laughs> All right. You can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, when I remember it exists, Facebook, which is rarely because I always forget it exists, at Damsel's Podcast. You can also find me on damselspodcast.com, which is the website. There'll be a little write-up on all the patrons on there as well. And at damselspodcast at gmail.com. If you guys have a suggestion, if you guys want to discuss something, you can also slide into my DMs on Twitter because that's the best place to catch me. I'm always available. My internet is spotty right now, so, so take that into account. But, well, the internet's not spotty. The Wi-Fi is. It's a whole thing. We're working on it. Again, recent move. Got alone the ways of the building. I know I said I was going to do Tony Anderson's book, but that maybe kicked back because I have to record with Becky first. So what I'm going to do is is I'm going to have the unveiling box, and then I think I'm going to maybe have an episode for the first part of September on some Lifetime movies that my my husband and I have watched, and it's been an interesting example of okay. Uh, it's available probably around the 4th or 5th of the month, and I say that because September is my birthday month, so I'm going to try and have three episodes. I can't really promise, but I'm going to try. Tony Anderson's book is amazing, and I don't want to put it off. I'm just giving a little bit of expectations. I'm going to try and put that around my birthday, which is the 12th, if in any case anyone cares. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have that out there and ready to go. Thank you guys so much for listening. I look forward to hearing your guys' feedback. 
And, you know, if you guys rate me on any of your podcatchers, please send me the screen cap because I don't always catch them. Uh, right now I'm having issues with Apple on my computer. So, yeah, I would love to hear about it. Please, please contact me in any of those places. Oh, and Patreon. Silly me. If you go to patreon.com slash podcast, I'm very on brand, y'all. Uh, you can actually get access to more content. I have a few episodes coming up. We just have to record them because we've, again, been really busy. But I've read so many books that I'm going to give at least at least one or two blog posts and reviews and at least maybe one recording in the next month. I have it all planned out. I just have to have time show up at some point. Okay, guys. I'll see you next time or talk to you next time. Maybe I'll be listening. Thanks so much. Bye.